Welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. This week's episode is brought to you by Patchworks Seattle. Patchworks is doing curbside pickup right now during this crazy pandemic that we've been experiencing. So if you live in the Seattle area and you want your synth today, go pick it up on the website, schedule a time to pick it up, head on down to, uh, to, the, to the shop and say hi to Cindy or Tom. Also, they've got, uh, they're carrying new brands. WMD is the one that I'm very excited that they finally have in the store. That's really, really, really cool. But they have a bunch of really great local stuff. You know, they've got acid rain technology stuff. They've got slappy engineering stuff. They've got after later audio stuff. They've got recovery effects stuff. AI synthesis. They got the, the kits from AI if you want to do that. Um, but if you're also looking for some non, uh, non-modular stuff, they've got Electron. They've got Korg. I got my Korg Wave State there not too long ago. Really, really loving that. Um, they've got Moog stuff. It's, it's really, you know, they've, they've got it all. They've got it all. So why don't you head over to patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com to, to see if they have anything that tickles your fancy there. As far as the curbside pickup goes, if, if, you know, if you're in Seattle, like I said, head on down there and get it. But if you're not in the Seattle area and you live in the United States, free shipping. Can you beat that? I don't think you can. Patchworks.com. P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S. Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. This week's guest is Lisa Belladonna. Lisa's been on the show two times before this episode, and uh, it's always a pleasure to catch up with Lisa. We've become we've become good friends uh, since her first appearance. And uh, if yeah, if you haven't listened, if you're kind of new to the show and and you haven't gone back and listened to o- older episodes, um, yeah. I, I suggest you go back and, and take a listen and uh, get to know her, her catalog as far as albums go. She's uh, incredibly prolific, which we'll talk about, and incredibly talented, which we'll also talk about here. And actually, the rest of this, this song that you're going to hear fading up right now is uh, an unreleased track that she's let me kind of use uh, in the podcast for ads and stuff. But it's just, I love it so much, I'm just going to let it play out here um, while I do my little intro. Um, So the world is crazy. Um, And as I've said, I've kind of been uh, blasted out of the podcast synthesizer zone um, over the past few weeks. And and, and I did mention last week that I'd save the political stuff for the end of episodes for those of you not interested in hearing about that from me. Um, So this isn't necessarily going to be about that, but it's going to be adjacent to that because it has to do with a podcast. And what what I'm trying to say is my whole... My, like kind of every, everything that I had lined up in my head as to what I was wanting to do for the podcast um, and then like Discord server stuff, uh, it, it all just got completely exploded. So first off, I want to say to everybody who's on the Discord server, 
thank you for sticking around. I'm, I'm loving this. I'm loving seeing you all uh, still interacting. I'm sorry that I've been a little distant from that. Um, and I also specifically with the Discord server, I know a lot of people have been doing the weekly patch challenges and submitting their, um, you know, the recordings and videos. And uh, I, I want you, I desperately want you to keep doing that because it's so, so cool. And I know I've been talking about doing kind of this bonus episode where I play all your, your stuff and... I was literally like planning on doing that and then, you know, you know, everything happened that's been going on. And like I said, it, I just, I just, it, it totally took me out of the the synthesizer world. So all of that, that stuff that I kind of had formulated in my head has been exploded. So I'm going to still try to work on that, but there's been so many submissions now. I don't really know where to start. So if you have some suggestions or preferences, how I do that as the people who are making these submissions, um, you know, I'd love to hear, hear from you about that. But again, thank you everybody for your patience. Um, on all this, I'm going to, I'm, I'm trying to get back into the, uh, you know, into the groove of how I do this, but I don't think it'll ever quite be the same. Um, speaking of never being quite the same, my life has not been the same since I got my Needham Woodworks case. It's just been so much better. I've got this amazing, amazing piece of fine woodwork that is the nicest piece of furniture. It's the nicest thing. I've said this a bunch of times, um, but I, I will continue to say it until it's not true anymore and I don't know when that will be but it's the nicest thing I own or have ever owned um it really ties the room together and with that eschatonic modular power in the back clean quiet power um I mean it's full right now and I don't have a single issue so please head over to needhamwoodworks.com to check it out um I also want to tell you that I've been teasing you a lot about these after later audio uh, modules that are going to be coming out soon and and that day is approaching uh, it will be in July I don't have a hard date yet but we're also going to talk to after later audio we're going to have them on the show soon so that's something I want you to keep in mind uh, or, or get excited for it, I guess is what I mean um, and to uh, you know if you're not familiar with after later audio please go over and, and check their stuff out um, also this motormatic from from uh, Recovery Effects is pretty, pretty badass. So here I'm running a little drum beat that I made with the uh, the SSF Entity Percussion and the Basimilis Iteritas Alter from Noise Engineering and uh, I think some Platts Hi-Hats. Yeah, and I'm just running that into uh, the Motormatic and, and doing some uh, controlling the CV a bit with the, uh, the Turing Machine. Um, yeah, it's a super fun like ring modulator. Uh, gets really, really nasty, crunchy stuff. So please go over to Recovery Effects to check it out. Um, and speaking of like demo stuff and what I was just talking about earlier with kind of like my, my modular world getting exploded, I mentioned that we were going to dive into the ensemble oscillator and do some of the uh, kind of the tutorial type stuff from the manual. Well, I didn't, I haven't done that yet. So we're going to, we're going to still do that, but um, 
we're, we're not quite there yet, but if you're not familiar with the Ensemble Oscillator from 4MS, I highly recommend you go check that out. Um, I think that's going to be just about it for the intro. We're going to get into our chat with Lisa Belladonna here in a moment. But as I said last week, we're going to, um, you know, any, any type of political stuff or whatever, I want to save till the end of the episode. So at the end of this episode, I, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I have a few recommendations, uh, for books. And I also, um, I'm going to give you a little update on this Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone or Capitol Hill uh, Occupied Protest, a.k.a. Chaz, a.k.a. Chop. Um, it's It's been so wildly misrepresented in the media. I have people from Eastern Washington um, literally texting me to check on me to see if I'm okay. And Hannah's family from New York, uh, some of which she hasn't talked to in a really long time, um, have reached out to make sure that she's okay. Uh, and that's fucking insane to us because we've been there twice and it's basically like a little festival. So yeah, we'll, uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about that later on after our chat with Lisa Belladonna, but let's, let's, let's get into that. Let's talk to Le- Let's talk to Lisa. I can't talk. <sighs> I love you guys. Thanks for listening. I fuck. I forgot to look it up. I'm going to be rude and get on my phone really quick. Cause I want to look it up. I want to see how long ago you were last on, but this is your third appearance. Yeah. This is your third appearance on Podular Modcast, but let me see here. I'm going to look you up really quick and see. Oh, I mean, it'd be nice if I spelt your name right. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, I put Lisa Bellafana on accident. Um, Tam. So, oh, my God. Almost exact. What is, what is today's date? Holy shit. You're not going to believe this. Do you know what day you were last on this show? No. Exactly a year ago today. Oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> we didn't plan that. <laughs> that's, that's just because we're damn good. That's why. That's, that's right. <laughs> well, so what got... One, like, there's a couple reasons why we're having you on for a third time. Because I think, other than people coming on in some sort of co-host role, um, you're the first person that's been on three times in a row, I think. And... One reason was selfish because I just wanted to chat with you again. Um, and the other reason is no matter, it seems like it's just a common thing when, when, when people list off their favorite episodes, you're always, always in the top. People love Aww. your episodes. Well, I'm um, very grateful to hear that. Yeah, because I, I feel like, I don't know, especially when we, when we get into the real stuff, you always have really nice insight and everything. So I just, I love chatting with you about that. But before we get too heavy, I just want to like ask, how are you? What you been up to? How is, how is the, your quarantine life? <laughs> I mean, you got a quarantine hell of a place life. To, be, to be cooped up. <laughs> you know, what's interesting for me is I haven't stopped working my tail off since this thing began. Yeah. So, I mean, in that respect, it's been nice. It's been probably for the best because otherwise I'm sure I would, my prone to anxiety, I would probably be a wreck. But Yeah. And I've had some ups and downs like everybody else with it, but very grateful to just simply be busy and... My daughter has been here most of the time, and so homeschooling with her has been a challenging yet great experience. Um, just, you know, my partner has been here um, the whole time, 
Tristan. And it's just been a it's been a wild ride. Just yeah. <laughs> just trying to get used to new re- regime and I feel that it's a good thing in certain ways of the fact that we're all children of a new age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in that regard, you know, and I don't I'm not happy about what's going on. I don't take that the wrong way, but it's um it's been good for everybody to you know, watch a lot of people come together to deal with this challenge. Mm-hmm. It's been really interesting too. One thing that it's it's really like put a magnifying glass over things that maybe we just kind of took for granted, like mm-hmm. just uh, you know the government's role in our life, and like you know it, it, what's been really strange is like the the division thing has been going on for so long. Um, I think I think Facebook. I blame Facebook a lot for that. But um, <laughs> this whole like kind of social division thing, it's it's got this weird different tone to it now. That's kind of that I guess I'm I'm kind of leaning into the negative side, but I do. I I am also kind of on the same page as you with like seeing how it's bringing people together in unique ways, and uh, hopefully this this magnifying glass that I'm talking about actually makes people who think about things a little bit maybe start questioning some things that weren't working out for us, you know, in 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 our day to day lives. Well, it's very evident, and it's been screaming at us that our antiquated systems haven't been working for yeah. for us as a human race. Mm-hmm. human condition you know it's just that time it's that time to to change and to adapt to new ways sure it's scary and it there's lots of uh free radicals right now but i feel that yeah. in the long run for those of us that just keep trying to keep faithful and manifest good things right now uh meeting togetherness and understanding and just going along with new ways Mm -hmm. it's it's, yeah it's what it's going to take in order for us to survive a host of things that that have been building up in our system our system as a world all this racist bullshit all this other stuff that the socio-demographic end of it, we're going to have to figure it out because yeah. we're, otherwise we're going to fucking die. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I and totally that's, agree that's with all you. there yeah. is to it. That's all there is yeah. to it. We're going to have to figure it out or we're all going to eat shit. And I don't yeah. want to see that happen. You know, I still am a very faithful person about, you know, the world. And, you know, I have a kid that I have to think about her future and what's going to be mm-hmm. left for them. You know? mm-hmm. Man, resilient are they? Yeah. Two months. It's going on. It's two months of this kid not getting to play with other kids. And I feel for her like, man, she's been so good. But recently she came to me and said, yeah, I really miss my friends. You know, I miss getting to go do stuff. And mm-hmm. So bless bless the kids' hearts for staying focused and positive and you know that's yeah. been my saving grace. Yeah, that's been something I thought about only from time to time but when I do it's kind of like whoa, like it 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 kind of it kind of like trips me up a little bit is is how 
people at different stages of their lives are dealing with this. And I've been thinking about, you know, like basically kids that are still living at home, like, you know, without fully formed prefrontal cortexes, like this is kind of a pretty trippy yeah, thing man. to wrap your head around. You it's know? <laughs> way trippy. It's way trippy. Growing yeah. up in the 70s and 80s, I mean, we had that scare of the nuclear bomb dropping on us. Oh, my God, when right. I saw threads as a kid. I mean, it. I'm still traumatized <laughs> from the first time I ever saw that. You know, and it was a teacher that I had this class called Futuristics, which was essentially oh just a... Yeah, yeah, this is in the <laughs> 80s, man. And this teacher was hip. He was really hip, and he showed us some really heavy shit that I'm sure people today would probably not go for. You know, he showed yeah. us about the AIDS pandemic. He showed us a, he showed us fucking threads, and we had to write a paper on it. I mean, it was things like that that really made you consider the ultimate disaster. Yeah. <laughs> but it was less about... It was less about the fear tactic of it and more of just being aware that it's a possibility and it's really, you know, he would always implement this resonance of positive change. You are it. That's what he would say. You yeah. guys are it. Have all your fun and do all your stuff and listen to your heavy metal and all that other things, but you you guys are it. You guys are the ones that are going to shape. You guys are going to shape yeah. how things are coming. Definitely. And I think that's, that's, I, I kind of, I feel like that's an obvious message and, and I've, I, I'm, I'm kind of bummed with how little I heard that, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it just wasn't emphasized in the right way, but that's something that I'm just like maybe wrapping my head around a little bit, uh, too late in life. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, especially with dealing with depression and having like, no, like a pretty bleak outlook on the future, like there are steps that you could take as an individual to try to invest in a brighter future, to try to change what you're believing. And, you know, like you have, and it's a worn out quote, but it's worn out for a reason. I think it was like a Gandhi thing. It's like, be the change that you want to see in the world. Like you have to do something. And, and I feel like a lot of the time, especially in my deep valleys of depression, I was just kind of, I was just such a passive, I was like a passive observer of my life rather than a participant in it. And, um, and what I'm hoping I kind of to tie a bow on this little tangent I just went around on, but I'm kind of hoping that this time alone, this, this time that, cause we're such social beings, that's kind of taking us away from this, this social thing is, is I'm hoping that some people out there kind of learn how to be with themselves because that's, I think that's like a real big challenge. It's part of like just getting into like the, the basics of meditation. It's like, you want to run away from the uncomfortable thoughts in your head. That's why we're neurotic. That's why we fill our days with this and that. And, and we're always doing something or we're drinking alcohol or using this or whatever it is because we can't be with ourselves. And this is like a crash course in that. And it could go wildly wrong if you don't have the, the tools or the desire to try to work on that. But I, I would like to think that there's a lot of people out there who are maybe taking this time to, to work on stuff like that. And I, I don't know. That's my optimistic side anyways. I hear some of that. You know, I hear some of that from my, you know, pretty large circle of people in my life. I think that there's, like I said, I think there's a lot of it that has had a positive impact. But, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, of course, if you tune into the news and you tune into 
stupid Facebook and all this con- it's convenience store politics. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those things that it's you just have to stay focused. You have to stay that's all you can do, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of the political end of things, none of us have enough money, you know. I'm sure anybody right. that's listening to this show, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, none of us, none of us have, you know, none of us are billionaires, you know, and that's the people we have running this whole thing, but we still have our communities, you know, and that's where mm-hmm. I feel that people kind of need to sort of wake the fuck up and be like, take Definitely. advantage, take advantage of your communities and work together. I mean, even in the little community that I live and, you know, if you came out here, you would think, oh, man, this is Trump's America out here. And maybe it is. I don't bring mm-hmm. up the topic. But at the same time, people here have been nothing but supportive of each other, you know, and have that's been. Good. You can see it. You can see people mm-hmm. trying. And, you know, and I think that's the important part. Um, so I think it's had some positive impact. For me, you know, I've just kept myself busy. Uh, I've written a lot of music. I haven't got to record a lot of music because I have been so busy with work and, you know, programming and doing tons of people's records and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, I can't keep up with it. You know, it's been kind of (laughs) exhausting, honestly, (laughs) but I'm grateful to do it. You know, I'm grateful to be to be able to do it. Can we talk a little bit about the, like, a little more specifically about that work? Like, what are you programming and what kind of work are you doing for other people's records? Absolutely. Um, Let's see. Some of the last uh, projects I've been doing is I have been a huge part of programming for the Moog One firmware updates. And that's been a beautiful honor, a challenge, uh, an inspiring experience. Um, What an amazing, what an amazing thing to be a part of. Uh, Just getting to converse with people that are responsible for this thing existing, I feel, is it's been a real inspirational thing for me. And um, I've just really put a lot of heart into the sounds and to the process of the sounds in terms of like what the signal path is per patch and that there's three different synthesizers at once that you're programming per one, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of how yeah. I roll. There's very few of my sounds that are just one voice sounds. I'm, I'm that multi-timbral lady that likes to come to yeah. town. So that's been an amazing thing. Um, as well as, you know, getting to watch the Subharmonicon come to life was really inspiring. And so uh, things with that, the, some of the patch book stuff, is you, there, you'll see some of my patches in there. And, and just getting to, uh, that's been a huge, beautiful experience, getting to work with Moog in that regard. You know, they're amazing people. Um, they're just very clear and very easy to work with. There's no huge egos or biases or major, like, you know, 
philosophies other than the fact that they want to keep on the level with what that company has been for the last uh, 80 years, something yeah. like that. So well, I feel like lately too. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I, I could be off on this, but the, I kind of get the sense that they have been maybe a little bit more prolific than they ever have been over the last few years, making a lot of different stuff, but a lot of really awesome stuff. Like if you know, I've, like they kind of were. Was it like the um, God? What was it like the 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 little fatty or something that when they kind of started really getting back into it? It seemed like. Um, but it seems just like since, you know, DFAM and mother and then grandmother, Matri- you know, all this stuff, it seems like they've really exploded. And it seems like your involvement with them has really exploded since we last talked. Because the last time we talked, you were just talking about the crew coming over. And I think it was for, I think it was for grandmother? That was for the matriarch. Um, yeah. For the matriarch. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you did like, and I love those video series that you did, like playing out in like the cool scenic areas. And you played, you played my song, my favorite song that you wrote, but you did it like in a different, like it's different oh, than the one you sent me. That's the Moog uh, one I, video. When I went the, down there. The Moog one. Oh, uh-huh. right, right. Okay. But okay, yeah. yeah, right. That's right. That's the one. And then you have a bunch of, so well, I guess what I'm saying is since then you've just been like, like, like so much like so in the moog world and i'm looking at these pictures of you've recently posted on instagram and (laughs) like you you've always had a lot of gear but like your desk now is just like racks and racks of the you know i imagine just dfam mother 32s and subharmonicons and then you've got all you've just got it all and yeah i kind of got into it even (laughs) before i really was working with them you know on such a high level you know, I've mm-hmm. I scored like I think four mothers on reverb, and and it just became I just love it. I love what they do together, I, and I love how they work with the ARP twenty six hundreds. You know, I just love the Moog ecosystem thing. It's a huge to me. It's just awesome in the way they sound, the way that you can build sounds with them. Um, it's an amazing thing, and like I said. Going back to working with Moog and and it's such an amazing team, you know the how it's kind of the team has uh, just evolved. You know, it's not just me. There's others that that are part of it too that are amazing to work with. You know, um, and so the, it it just it's like even though we're all working remotely, there's that sort of feeling of you know this sort of teamwork the sort of uh band <laughs> i don't know nice. sort of that sort of you know that sort of mentality you're looking out for each other and you're there to throw ideas off of each other and there's no ego there's no bullshit it's just you're stoked to to be a part of it and to share ideas and to circulate things you know that's and so that's, cool that's where you get good stuff you know that's where good stuff Definitely. happens you know, clear, Definitely. Yeah. clear communication and just lots of time. I love to put the time into doing, uh, to doing these, you know, these, uh, patches and sound design and the beta testing, all of that sort of thing is, is my bag, baby. Yeah. Well, I got it. I'm kind of getting a taste of that, especially with the, uh, the quarantine thing. Cause my, I, 
I, I don't know if you know this. I think the last time we were talking, I was still doing the construction thing every day. And, you know, I, you know how much I hated that and how I was really looking for a way out. And, and you were kind of my guru through a lot of that. And, and I, and just our conversations really helped me kind of lock in and kind of figure out a plan to get out. And I haven't been in that field since September and, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I found a new job instructing at night, so it's kind of a part-time thing. And because of the podcast and everything, I've made it work financially. And I really, like, I got to, I am experiencing that that old saying, like, if you if you do what you love, you don't work a day of your life. Like, and, and I've been really thankful for that through this, this quarantine thing because of the social isolation and everything. It, not much has changed. Cause I'm still just doing the grind here. And I've thought about you a lot as like kind of the, like a model of how I want to, to go about it. So it's to hear you talk about that. I'm like, I'm starting to taste that. And it is a good feeling. It's, it's cool to work with other people. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. That's just my roundabout way of, of saying thanks for all of your, your wisdom and help through that. Cause it really, it really did help me get out of that. Cause I was miserable. Well, I'm really happy to hear that. And it's, you know, it's my pleasure. You're a great human and you're a great artist and you're putting a lot of amazing things out there with this program. And, you know, I'm very honored that you continue to call to have me on it, you know, and (laughs) I'm happy to see what you're doing. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's all about manifesting something that you want to have happen and just, putting in the grind till it happens. I mean, that's the only, only real thing I can say, you know, it's, I mean, I've, yeah. you know, it's been, gosh, the last three years of my own career has been crazy change. So much different stuff has mm-hmm. happened. You know, I never thought in a million years I'd put out 10 albums last year. I know. know. I want to I get to that because you're so prolific, but going back to what you just said now, this is something that I kind of would, and, and and to specifically kind of laser in on what exactly you 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 helped me with was I had heard about the, this idea of like manifesting, you know, and to me that was always kind of wooey and crystals and <laughs> and all this, and but the way you talked about it was more of like for me the way I took everything you said it was just more of a practical like think of what you want and then like figure out how to get to it. You know, that's, that's what, it. that's what it was to me, you know, like set up, set up goals and benchmarks in a plan. Like I had never really f- set up much of a plan cause I was always such an instant gratification person. I want to quit my job today, you know, but that's no, not how it goes. It's yeah. not. And so like it's, it's the patience and, and as, as wooey as the manifestation sounds, if you're not, if you're not into that kind of stuff, you can think about it in a way more practical, you know. Thing. You got to write it down. You got to put it in physical form. You got to get it out of your body. You have to just make it the fuck happen. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, we already talked about this. I I worked in the trades field, you know, as a welder mm-hmm. and gasket fabricator, all this other crazy shit that wasn't music, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not that those weren't great gigs to have and I didn't learn something or meet amazing people. But it's foolish, you know, for someone who loves this world so much and am willing to eat, sleep, breathe it every day, you know, without 
really ever getting too frustrated with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I've learned to just, okay, I know when to walk away or I know when to shelve a project without it, you know, breaking my own heart sort of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so... (laughs) Definitely. Um, Well, I don't... We may have covered this in the past, but just in case, you know, I get new listeners coming on and it's been a year since you've been on. Um, I Kind of just like a a brief nutshell history of how you got hooked up with Moog. Was that kind of... Did they see you at like an Earthquaker day using their stuff with Earthquaker stuff or on Earthquaker's YouTube? Or was there a link between Earthquaker and Moog of how you started working with them? You know, it's interesting. We... some of the guys and girls from Moog I've known for, shit, almost a decade. Um, but very casually, I guess it really kind of began when I was at Moog Fest with Earthquaker, and I did this grandmother video where I just kind of sat down. It was the first time I'd ever played a grandmother with some Earthquaker pedals, you know, and I was just feeling great. You know, I had I my. I think I remember that you were yeah. like you were like reacting to using it for the first time on the video, and you were like, like, holy shit! Like you were literally using it for the first time on the video, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Guitar Center asked me to right, come and, right. and do a uh-huh. video for them, and you know, I just went and laid it down and did some ripping, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that was it. As soon as they like, as soon as that video went viral. They started to take uh, a little bit more of an interest. And at first, they basically just called me to do some consulting um, mm-hmm. on the matriarch long before it came around and and uh, various other things. When they came out here and really experienced what it was like to work with me on a session and how quickly things moved and how efficiently and, you know, I just try to be... You know, if I'm going to work with other people, I always try to put all of myself into it, you know, and to make people feel at home and feel comfortable. But, you know, I'm somebody who's willing to grind it down and not and not make it exhausting, but do it efficiently so that there's some time left to enjoy time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when we did the matriarch video, we were done with everything by noon, technically. Oh, wow. And so we continued to do some other things. That's when we did mystery rituals, too. So we did both of those. We did the mystery rituals video, and then we did the uh, the very first premiere matriarch video that has, like, the little four uh, sequences and, you know, different parts of it. And after that, it's kind of funny. They, they asked me if I had ever played a Moog One, and I was like, yeah, like once or twice, you know, and... They're like, well, what did you think of it? And I guess I must have sounded real sassy because I didn't, (laughs) I wasn't like, I didn't act real wild about it or something. I can't remember. They're just like, well, you know, they kind of had this look on their face. (laughs) And long story short, I eventually got to sit down with one, thanks to them, for a day. And by the end of that day, I had been awakened by what's inside of it. And how modular it is. And it's fucking insane. I hate to use so much profanity, but it is. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) There's no other instrument like it. I've played almost every synth out there. And this thing is special. I'm excited to watch it grow. 
to just to experience programming it is a thrill. Part of what I want to do is help the education process of, of, of people being able to quickly access what's inside of this thing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's closer to an ARP 2500. You know, it's got this sort of matrix that's just, it's infinite. And mm-hmm. the amount of voices and how you can route those voices is something very unique. And it sounds, sounds phenomenal. You know, and for something that's powered, it's analog, but it's powered in such a way, it's a very unique opportunity. Not something that I ever imagined I would have, I would be around for. Yeah. The future came earlier than expected. <laughs> My, the only thing I can liken it to, because I've never played one, I've seen one in a shop, but I've got this weird thing where... If I know I can't have it, I don't want to even play it because it'll just like even with even with mod like I have two modules my friend has let me borrow. He let me borrow them months ago and I haven't even touched him because I'm afraid I'm gonna like him. And if I like him then and I have to give him back, then I'm gonna have to buy him. You know? But if it's something like the one, yeah. I'm like, I can't afford that. But the closest thing I can get to, I just got a Korg wave state, which I feel like is a like a, a super like it's kind of, I mean, I know it's different, but it's kind of the same in the sense where you can like so many different sounds and incredibly deep. And, and after getting my feet wet modularly, you know, in the modular world after a while and going back to a desktop synth, it's so much more fun now. My head's blown open and I'm like, I'm having so much more fun playing like, and I'm like, Oh, I want to learn how to shred on the, the keyboard now, you know, like, so that's, um, Oh no, that was just kind of my. I'm, I just got a new synth and I'm excited, but I'm just. It's the the playing aspect that I'm really enjoying. Um, That's it. I've also been playing my guitar through my modular more than I use oscillators lately. That's awesome. Been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's been super fun. Um, so yeah, so you you. So when you're pro, you're just basically for these firmware updates, you're creating new patches, new presets for people to check out. And then kind of like, and then from there, I imagine you can edit the presets. You can kind of tailor them to your Absolutely. Own I design my presets with lots of little hidden features. So it urges people, I'm hoping to inspire people to get in there and see what my signal path is and to maybe create their own patches that take it another step farther. Um, but the Moog One thing, going back to that question of when we started, to, Moog and I really started to work a lot closer, was they asked me to learn the Moog One in like a week, which is a pretty, pretty. <laughs> that seems crazy. <laughs> it's a pretty big gig, and go yeah. um, basically go present it to Sweetwater. So it was really awesome and intimidating, both at the same time, um, to go and. You know, just dig into this thing that hard and uh, hours and hours and hours of of just going through all these different, you know, signal paths. And then to go and demonstrate for basically a theater filled with salesmen, all men. <laughs> and uh, of course, yeah, it was a great, great start to a lot more projects together. So. so. I don't know if I'm if I'm going to be able to form this into a question, and I don't really know if it's going to be a question that you could answer without like. I'm I'm going to kind of put you on the spot, but do you ever sit there and just think, like, kind of sit back and say, "Moog, like the Moog, 
of Moog synthesizers, of the synthesizer world, the biggest synthesizer company, arguably, in the world ever, chose you, of all people in the whole world, to present their, like, giant, most crazy... Like, do you ever just kind of, like... Does that reality ever wash over you and you're like, holy shit, that's fucking rad? Because that seems really fucking cool. <laughs> it's difficult for me. It's difficult for me to see it that way. I'm so yeah. into the whole process of things that I'm just kind of too busy. And I don't know. I don't really, I guess I don't really look at it that way. It's not that I'm not grateful and I don't realize how big of a gig it is. Um, but, you know, I've kind of been training for it all my life. Yeah. And I also mean, I feel confident your... about it. Feel, I just feel confident and grateful. Very equal parts, I guess. Yeah. Maybe that's I don't think not I'm... a very good answer. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think, I, think it's, I think it's a better, it's, a, it's as good an answer as you, I think it's, one, it sounds like a, a healthy answer. And two, I think it's, you know, I definitely put you on the spot there, but it also makes me think in the way of kind of like, just like personal or spiritual development. I don't know if I could handle that yet. I think my, I don't know if my ego could handle that yet. I think I need to do some more training before I could handle something like that. (laughs) Well, you know, it's like anything else. It's like, you know, it's always any sort of new big experience like that or change is always scary. Mm -hmm. Don't don't get the wrong idea. You know, I'm a very shy and sensitive person. Even though I'm very resilient, I have to do my own kind of processing of these sort of things and these chapter changes. And and um, sure, there's times that you feel like, well, maybe I'm not cut out for this. It's because, you know, I still feel just like a sort of goober that loves to just <laughs> nerd out. Yeah. I don't know. That's pretty much what you're dealing with here. Yeah. Uh, I'm. What can I say? But at the same time, I'm not afraid. You know, I'm not afraid right. to. Uh, let's get it on. Let's do it. Yeah. Come at me, but bro. You also got. You have the. You have the. You have the chops to back it up too. Like, there's. There's no denying that. Um, but yeah, no. That's. I. I just like. I think about that, and it's just like. I'm just so happy. I'm so happy for you. And, I appreciate and it. Thank you. You, you, you deserve I'm super, it. You have this is like the best time in my life right now, other than other than this fucking pandemic. I know. I, I was telling my wife the other day that like a pandemic aside, and and I, I have a little bit of guilt about this because I know a lot of people are going through a hard time right now. But like, I think this is the happiest I've ever been. Um, and just like depression wise, this is, this is the best I have ever been. And I attribute that to getting out of the trades for one and, and finding a little bit more of a, being able to do, do my passions a little bit more professionally. Um, but also I, I quit drinking. Well, I stopped drinking for two, a little over two months at the beginning of the year to quit smoking. So I haven't had a cigarette in six months, five months. Um, good for you. Thanks. It feels great. But I realized cigarettes were giving me anxiety and drinking every weekend. I was getting drunk every weekend. That would, and at my age, that lasts a few days. So like not just the sick hangover, 
that would be the next day. But then the next, the following three days, I would mentally feel it. And I didn't real. I just thought that's what my brain chemistry was like. And then not drinking, I was like, oh, alcohol really affects me. Um, so now I just, I have this rule. I don't really pass three beers because like, I still enjoy drinking a beer. I just don't pass three beers and I don't do it. You know, like it's more of just like a afternoon, have a few stop right here because if I yeah. pass this line, it affects me. And it's been incredible about like how much it has affected my overall anxiety and depression and just kind of like outlook on life. Oh, this warms my heart to hear this from you. <laughs> Because that's what what we're all getting to experience is a lot of us rather is mm -hmm. that break of that cycle, breaking the cycle, you know, and that's mm -hmm. the thing that's very difficult. And, you know, all the routine of, you know, going to the day job or whatever it is, you know, or feeling like, you know, I'm going to have a drink. You know, I quit for a couple of years just because. You know, I definitely felt the effects of I've never been somebody that felt like I was going to have a problem with alcohol because I grew up around so much of it that I wasn't even interested in it until my late 30s. OK, uh -huh. I just fucking didn't care. Fuck alcohol right in the face. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> but then, you know, I sort of playing a lot of jazz gigs and just Get, the music industry is so full of good times and partying on uh -huh. and all that, yeah. and it is fun. It's <laughs> don't get me wrong, I I love me some whiskey, but I finally mm -hmm. had to say, okay, no more, you know. And now, you know, I will occasionally have a glass of wine or a cocktail or two, but I no longer go go nuts with it. I get too much trouble. I'm too naturally ornery to add alcohol. <laughs> yeah. I know I get myself in trouble and it's just not a good thing. I start putting the moves on people. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I stay away well, from it. I try to. Well, and I was, I want to make sure that coffee. I don't like, <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody or like, I'm not trying to tell everybody that like they should stop drinking or anything. This is just my personal experience with my personal brain yeah. chemistry. We're just um, talking, you know, we're just two yeah. friends talking, you know, that's all it is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll still tie one on occasionally. Just not, I just don't go wild with it, especially yeah. like every weekend or night after night, anything like that. And any time that I do let myself have a, all right, I'm going to cut loose, you know, build a big bonfire and I'm going to get ripped. And, <laughs> and it's just fine. As long as I don't do that a lot, then I don't have that sort of like, Oh man, I feel terrible for two or three days. You know, I just mm -hmm. every once in a great while, it's awesome to cut loose. But that's all it really needs to be for me. Yeah, I'm so high on everything, like with music and being a parent, and there's so many other things that I find uh, I find such uh, resonance with. You know, that's what kind of gets me Definitely. going. And that stuff, I feel, so I feel more I feel more connected to stuff now too, and I. I Going back, like I said, I don't want to tell anybody what to do or anything like that, but I, I do want to say this. If you're at a point in your life, if you're you know over 30 and you, you've kind of drank regularly, not like alcoholic drink, but you know it's been a part of your life. You drink on the weekends or whatever. And if you're somebody who struggles from depression and you've, and you, you know, you've tried every, you know, you've tried a bunch of stuff and it doesn't work. If 
just try two months. Just try stopping for yeah. two months just to see, just to see what happens. And I bet you'll see a difference. Like, well, yeah, you get, age, you, you get can't do attracted. It. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I'm not going into that one uh, <laughs> on my end. <laughs> just once you get used to being in your own body, you know, you're not always out in some other radical atmosphere. You know, I just, I feel I play a lot better. I feel that I oh, yeah. make better decisions. I'm a lot more efficient and I'm a lot more patient. That is the, all of those things are much more attractive to me than, than getting, getting blasted. And like I said, it's Definitely. fun. I I have nothing against it by all means. But if it's something that brings you down, man, fuck it. Who needs it? Yeah. Also, just we can leave this topic here, but I, I just want to mention one more thing. If you are considering it or if you're thinking, like, maybe I'll give that a shot, but your biggest concern is, well, things aren't just going to be as fun. That's I thought that. It's just not true. Like going to shows and hanging out at people or even going to, like, house parties and stuff. I was like – or camping. I was like, none of that's going to be fun anymore. That's complete bullshit. It's more fun. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've I've been having more fun doing the things that I used to do, like with alcohol, like just social social stuff, and I don't know. But again, I still drink. You know, I, I probably have a couple beers every couple weeks. So I'm not I'm not trying to condemn it or anything. But, um, but anyway, so so, what do we talk about now? I feel like we covered a lot already. Music. Um, Let's I talk know. About Let's talk about music. music. Yes. So, how have you been? Uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about <laughs> you. You've got so many freaking synths, and you're so in the synth world. Do you still find time for guitar, or are you kind of not in a guitar headspace? Well, the the short answer is I don't get to do it as much. It's just there's too much yeah. work. You know, there's too many things that I want to do too. You know, I still love to compose. But to answer your question, yes, I still make time. And I have had very uh, successful spurts of composing an album with mainly fingerstyle guitar that will have, okay. <clears throat> similar to The World She Wanted, but its own, a different light, a different set of tunes and all that. So, of course, it's one of those things where, you know, I get really good at the compositions and I'm almost ready to record them and then something shifts and I have to get back into the synth world. But I, I always have my guitar a classical guitar in the living room. And then I was uh, very kindly gifted a beautiful custom shop Carvin and a oh, nice. uh, very beautiful guitar. Uh, and a good long, one of my oldest time, you know, our longest friends ever. His name's Dennis Farrar, who's a fantastic rock guitar player and uh, just a master of tone and phrasing and feel and you know we grew up together you know we went to middle school together used to be rivals oh, cool. oh yeah was, you know <laughs> we used to be rivals back in the day it was great now we're great friends and both have children around the same age and and uh i went to his home for a visit you know for a swim day last year with you know get the kids together and talk music and life and all that and and, you know, the time came to go hang out in the music room. You know, what's what's Dennis got going on? You know, he's got the marshals and the mesas. And, you know, he's he's well outfitted. 
And uh-huh. uh, in the first guitar I see, I see this sharp, flat, black, very simple, two humbucker, you know, shredder guitar. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a nice guitar as soon as I walk in. And he kind of chuckles. Well, on my way out, you know, we go through the, all his collection and we're having a blast. And on our way out, he's like, hey, I want you to pack that carving up, get it on out of here on your way home. I was like, no way. I can't take that. He's like, yeah, you can. He's like, I'm going to use, I'm just going to say, it. he's like, you need to play some more guitar, bitch. <laughs> get your, get your ass on the guitar. Get into some more guitar. Because I love all your synthesizer stuff. It's brilliant, but get your ass on that guitar. So, um, I had a really good run. I did a guy's record, really beautiful record, a gentleman named Josh Harder. And, uh, I'm not, sure what the title of the album is going to be but it's a full length and uh really amazing very wide variety of music it was a beautiful gig i'm very grateful for it and it was a real pleasure to play on it but uh i got real frustrated with one of these one of his songs and uh i thought what the fuck am i gonna do in here and none of the synths none of the keyboards seemed to really be working and um and the song needed this, it needed a melodic glue. And so mm-hmm. I decided, well, let's get this carving out. And so I got the carving out and I, you know, I have a lot of old 80s rack gear and guitar preamps and all those sort of things. You know, of course, I have a, you know, mother load of Earthquaker stuff. And uh, so I hooked up the guitar and put down a really very pretty, you know, melodic guitar line and it felt good and... And then I basically spent the rest of that weekend like just playing metal and shredding. <laughs> you know, texting people with like shred guitar clips. It's like <laughs> it's like don't, don't fucking talk shit to me. I I love those weekends when you're when you're like when you're kicking so much ass that you can't help but show all your friends. Your fr- like your musician friends, you're like, oh, I got a show. Well, there's a lot of my friends that thing. love that side of my muse, you know, and I just don't, uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm not really interested in being a guitarist professionally right now, or maybe ever. I, you know, I can't really do um, what a lot of people prefer on guitar in this day and age, you know what I mean? So I feel that what I do is good on its own, but, you know, my intentions with it are pretty antiquated. So... It's just fun for me, and it's always do available. That, do you mean that because you're you're kind of more of a shredder, and that's not really in vogue right now, or because you're like technically you're you're a phenomenal guitar player? I you just can, can't I imagine well, you can just do about anything. Well, I can, I can, I just can't yeah. make. I just I'm not interested in making my guitar sound like a computer. You know, right. like that sort mm-hmm. of you know. I'm I'm very greasy guitar player. I, I sure I have a lot of technical. I have a lot of facility on the instrument. I've been playing it for years, you know, and worked the road with it for years. So I mean, you know, it's just ingrained, and um, it's it's just a very personal thing, I guess. You know. Yeah. I don't want to get into being a music critic so much, but I just don't feel that what I do on the guitars there's just not a lot of use for it professionally. But I enjoy it still very much. That's how I feel about singing. I used to sing and I've sang in a couple bands and 
pretty much, I'd say for my almost my entire twenties, the really the only music I did until the late twenties was singing in my like my kitchen with an acoustic guitar. That's kind of like all I did for years. Um, yeah. And I love doing it. And my wife's always asking me like, Hey, I'm, I'm working on a record right now. She's like, are you going to sing on this? And I'm like, I'm probably never going to sing on a record again. Just like, so you know, and it's, and it's because I kind of just feel like I like doing it, but I don't feel like what I do. I don't think I have anything to offer the kind of music I make. Like I don't know. I just don't feel like my voice really serves the kind of music I make. And I'm way more interested in exploring tones and timbres and, and sound, you know, soundscapes. And, you know, I want to, I want to try to write music that has melodic, you know, melodic elements that hook you and make you want to listen to it over and over again, but have them be instrumental. Because another thing that I, another reason I don't want to sing on stuff is how many awesome songs do you hear start and then the singer starts going and you're like, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. Like, I sure. feel like that happens to me a lot. So I don't, I just don't want Ooh. to be that. <laughs> there's, a lo- there's a lot of that these days. Jesus. Yeah. Right. There's some really good ones. There's some really good, uh, singers i like now too it, it's finally i don't know there's this style of vocals that seems to just saturate every kind of music and then it's now finally people are starting to get a little bit of their own individuality mm-hmm. yeah don't get me wrong to be honest 90 percent of the music that i listen to has you know i'm i'm big into singer songwriter you know bill Callahan. oh yeah i love that's, vocals that's my favorite shit um it's just not what I want to make. Um, well, that kind of brings me around, and I don't know if this is like a, I don't know if this is a lame question, but I'm just curious. Do you think you're better at keys or guitar? Oh, I think it just depends. I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm pretty proficient and equally. Um, I could use a lot of work on all of them, really. Guitar, drums, keyboards, with shredders. <laughs> I just I love music, and I'm just willing to yeah. put in the time to develop the facility. I don't really look mm-hmm. at it as any sort of. It's all one thing, you know. The studio, yeah. the mixing desk is an instrument. Uh, you know, the piano is an instrument. The synthesizer is an instrument. Uh, the Fender Rhodes is its own instrument. The Hammond organ, yeah. all of it. Uh, you know, drumming, I don't really do it anymore professionally, but I still I still have my kit set up and I go in there and and uh go at it, you know, play some jazz or just, you know, just get a nice groove going on and just, you know, put all my body into it. I think that's what it's all about is just like the physical aspect of music I is something that's very important to my overall health, muse health. Yeah. And I sing too. I sing a lot. I don't necessarily want to sing on my records, but <laughs> uh, you know, I sang on all the I records, but I think it's important for musicians to sing. I think it's uh, it feels so very good. vital. <laughs> well, you you're giving your body, um, you know, it's you're you're giving it resonance of that melody of that mm-hmm. muse. You know, it's immediate. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's yeah. great for soloing. I always sing what I play when I'm soloing. You know, even if I'm not. You know, you know, you don't see my mouth always moving, but you know, there's like I'm resonating in my head, whatever I'm playing, even all really? those, even all those cascading lines. That's just how I 
that's how I feel about playing linearly, you know, in a linear way. Oh, I'm going to try that. Um, okay, let me evolve my question only slightly. Because I think it's probably going to be the same answer. <laughs> but I'm just kind of, I think because I'm getting back into the physical side of playing instruments, it's just, I, I'm kind of always in my head about that kind of stuff. And I love talking to other people about it. Um, and it's, I feel like I express myself differently on guitar and keys. And I feel like I am probably, you know, I am significantly better at guitar than I am at keys. Cause I'm, I'm I've only been doing it for a few years really. Um, but, I feel like I can move, like make stuff that's more emotionally moving on keys than I can on guitar. So I feel like my, the, my mode of expression is different. Do you feel like any one instrument is kind of the most accurate representation of whatever it is that you're putting out? Or, or I kind of feel like it's kind of all over the place and it depends on what you're trying to get out at the moment. But do you feel like there's one that's more expressive? Well, I think it's whatever one that I'm really in the flow with at the time that makes sense. there yeah. there was a time my earlier records you know they are a lot more um all over the map because that's what i was doing you know more of my profession during those records those earlier solo records you know i was you know getting hired to do many different things you know now i've very fortunately have it streamlined which feels great for me on a personal level you know, I'm able to have a lot more balance in my personal life that I'm not, you know, hustling for every kind of gig there is out there. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question, I think it just depends on whatever it is I'm really throwing my weight at. I know that if I sit and play classical guitar long enough, it starts to really sound pretty, pretty good. And it becomes a direct mm -hmm. connection to whatever my heart is wanting to say at that time. And I can't wait to get these songs of that i was talking about earlier down eventually and add some nice colors to them because they're awesome songs but they are very challenging to play and uh <laughs> so it's just gonna well, take i'm really time. looking forward to that but then you well, know so the last... i love keyboards and synthesizers they all have a different different thing yeah and I'm going to try and wrap up the, not wrap up, but like kind of encompass you, how prolific you are into this question. Um, so I'll first say that like you, you are, you're very prolific. And I would say each album from album to album, it's, it's not like you're making the same stuff. They're all, there's a wide variation. And I feel like the last time we talked, um, your most recent release that you were just releasing or, or had just released was way more guitar and you were kind of, um, you were kind of concerned because you had done so much synth stuff. You're like, are, are the people who follow me going to be interested in the guitar stuff? And I was like, I think people are going to like whatever you put out. Um, do you feel better about just releasing whatever it is that you make under kind of the, the, the umbrella of Lisa Belladonna? Or is that something you still <laughs> like kind of, you know? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. I'm still very, uh, very, very critical of my own music i feel my best music is made in the moment and i'm struggling right now with an album that i started right around the start of this this uh pandemic lockdown and uh it's really a bummer because it's it's a cool record but i think it's going to get shelved it's you know almost done but it's just going to take some more time in order for me to get because it was really risky. It was like way, there was like so much like stuff that I hadn't done before. 
on it. That makes me want to hear it so much more. <laughs> and like last year, I had that sort of Baroque classical synthesizer album, and it's still waiting on the shelf. And then right before I got sick in October or September, I had another film score type album, seven total 70s, you know, analog, lusty, guilt-free film score uh-huh. album. So those are, they all got shelved. Eventually, they'll come out. And so right now, I'm just trying to uh, start over. So I'm trying to start a new record, and I'm going to try to churn it out in a couple of days, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, the one, that album I was talking about, it's, it is... I hope to get it out. It's called, uh, it's called Take a Look Around, and it's basically my first impressions of this quarantine you know just kind of like wow you know it's there's some really interesting observations on it i feel it's not but i just i'm struggling with it i'm struggling with whether i really like it or not or whether i it's more of a composed album and it seems like with my work schedule and life schedule that when i get deep into compositional albums and i you know because man the sky's the limit with me because it has Mm-hmm. <laughs> classic, you know, the classic electronic stuff that I do, but it's way more, you know, I was trying to not do another 20 minute each side album because I did like my last four albums were like that, even though they're all different. Uh-huh. You know, just I love long form, you know, and it's just a yeah. very, very natural place for me. Uh, and I wanted to do something that was a little more dynamic than that. And so there's shorter pieces and one really good long piece on it. Um, but then that really long piece has like classical, almost classical esque orchestrations on it, and then there's some like slutty electro, you know, stuff I've never done before. Like it's almost this like sounds amazing. It's like should I should I put <laughs> I should stop this right now? You know, that's kind of how I've I've feel about it. So what I've done with this record, that's why it's taken a little longer. <laughs> is I've invited some people to be a part of it. There's one woman that is a part of it from the get-go, and uh, she is amazing. And her name is Trista Hill, and she is a classical and jazz professional harpist. And so, oh. and there is a beautiful movement in the long piece on that album that uh, is, it's something else. And um, once that she turned in her tracks, I had to stop and reevaluate the whole fucking record. I'm like, man, <laughs> the rest of this album kind of sucks compared to this section. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, that's how I felt. I mean, this is me just, you know, I'm being very, very candid. Yeah. It, it doesn't. It's, it's a solid record, but it's, it's just not done. It's it's very complicated mix, you know, all of these different styles and the way the album ends is very, very interesting. It ends in such a way that it's like, it's almost creepy. You know, it's almost like, the, this is kind of fucked up. It's a fucked up record. The, I hope to do it. I hope the, to get it out. The more you're talking about it, the more I'm like, I have to hear this record. <laughs> well, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to put out one right now because I just need a clean slate. And I want to so get something the one, out there. You know, I want to put something yeah. out. You know, I did that whole album for the last Moog One firmware. That just kind of happened. And I don't have that on my site. I, uh, that's on Moog's Bandcamp. Which okay. that, that 
for me was like one of those moments, kind of like you're talking about. I'm like, holy shit, I have an album on Moog's Bandcamp. I'm like, that's <laughs> that's pretty crazy. And so that's cool, yeah. And that was for artist relief. All that money that anyone that buys that record, it all goes to artist relief during the pandemic. And um, that's great. It is, but it's also it also like kind of sideswiped. I was right in the, the halfway point of making that record, the Take uh, Take a Look Around album, and uh, so. But now I have some other musicians that are going to be a part of that record, and and I feel that that will kind of also extrapolate the thing as a whole because it is such a sort of it's a kind of a bizarre record. <laughs> Which I didn't intend I, it to be. It just is. I'm kind of relating to this. I'm because this thing that I'm working on right now is definitely it's 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 weird. Um, it's a lot of guitar and like shorter pieces and actually like trying to like compose pieces. Awesome, you know. But but like still keeping it really funky and I st- I'm I'm really excited about it. But I'm kind of experienced. I don't know if this is like if it's like this for you because when you're saying like. You know, like, you don't know if you like a record, but like, for me, sometimes I'm like, this is the best shit I've ever done. And then the next day I'll go to try to mix it and I'll be like, this is horse shit. I can't show anybody. And then I'll list, I'll give it three days off and come back to it. And I'm like, no, this is the best shit I've ever done. And like, I'm constantly going back and forth on it. But I do feel like there's this, like this thread that I need to try to like, I need to thread, like bridge all the pieces together and make it it. coherent. And I'm, I'm fine and I'm struggling with that. So, but, but that's kind of the fun of it too. And like letting it sit for a little bit and, and putting it on the shelf for a moment and then, um, and coming back because I don't know, it just seems like if I leave things sit long enough, I'll come back with such fresh eyes that I'll, I'll, I'll maybe sometimes I'll get an answer quickly, you know, oh, why didn't I do this? How could I Uh not have thought of this? You know, something like that. Um, but I'm also thinking about bringing some friends in on it, you know, like, I have so many talented friends and especially now with everybody not being able to hang up and hang out and we're all like stuck in our houses. Like, Hey, do you want to record some shit on a song? And so, yeah, um, I, I, I know that's not the exact same thing that you're talking about, but I guess what we're talking about is making an album is it's, it's very, it's very rewarding, but it's also very challenging and very taxing mentally. And you really can put yourself through the ringer. <laughs> well, it's kind of how I love to work. I love, I'm a very visual, I visualize an album and I almost, it mm-hmm. almost, if I just see like a pinhole thread of what an album can be with like a one piece of music that starts or a title or just looking at something. Even just being on a drive and all of a sudden, you know, I just I sort of have these like little explosion epiphanies that I'm like, oh, oh, I know what I want to do next. It's like <laughs> the way I did Circulus. And it was just one of those times where that album, everything lined up so perfectly that I was able to do it in a day. And that's that's the one you went outside, right? You went mm-hmm. and set your stuff up outside and recorded, yeah. and you got like the live recording of some birds. Huh? Didn't you do it in like a take, like all the songs in a take or two well, or something like that? Or? No, not not everything's one take. But I did the whole album in one day. That's so There's awesome. <laughs> nothing else. So I, I I mixed it. I think what was it? I recorded it on a Wednesday, I believe. Mixed it on Thursday, and sent it to my mastering engineer on Friday and put it out on that weekend. I was like, yeah. That's awesome. That's what I love to do. So 
you have those days. I had one of those days. Um, I my mo- the, I just released something called Stephanie Synthesizer, um, and I was borrowing my friend Stephanie's Nord Two for like a couple years, and then I got into modular, and it just sat in my room, and I never played it. And she wanted it back. So I thought, hey, I'm going to get some use out of this before she comes picks it up. You know, So I had six hours before she was coming to pick it up. I was over helping my mom out because she just had knee surgery. So I just had my little Zoom H6 recorder, um, a Chase Bliss Mood, and a Zoya. So I basically was just using it for reverb and, and effects and then was using this Nord. And I sat there, and like I said earlier, like going into a desktop synth after spending two years in modular world, I just like explode on a desktop now like i just get it now and can really take off and i recorded every track of that in six hours that's like amazing. a 30 minute record um oh, yeah. I, I did some mixing and arranging stuff later on but like yeah i just it's a very minimal it's all stereo tracks each song but it's like i love those days where you just you're on and you just you just rip you know it's, that's it's it. so much fun yeah i just i wanted to do a composed record and you know every time i do that these days you know, and I had a foot injury, which that took me away from it too. So it's like, uh, it's just hard to find that flow when it gets jumbled up. But if I have that time to, if I can get caught up with work to the point where I can really just allow myself a couple of days to compose most everything, and I can track most of a full record in a day, and then orchestrated another day if it's really involved and and then with take a look around one of the things i was experimenting with is i've had i have had such a great great rapport with my mastering engineer whose name's harold larue and harold harold is a blessing he is so genius and he is so varied in his talents and his facility of skill um, that we're now to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to start sending you tracks to do the mix, to do the final mix. So I've started sending him wow. stems. I think other than the really long track, which I will mix, because, you know, I'm I'm still a control freak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all the other shorter tracks are all going to him to mix, and we're going to experiment with that on this record. And I think what I've heard Harold do, it always fucking sounds phenomenal he always just kind of like he's just one of those few mastering engineers or engineers in general that he is like a great musician who he's actually listening to the other musicians he's not just looking in the computer or looking at the vus he's listening like a musician and that's what makes him so special you know he has Mm -hmm. all the skill and the chops to go with it but he listens like a musician yeah, he was a really fucking great drummer for years and then got you know more and more into the technical aspect of music and music technology and um and then got into mastering and so he's been a great gift to me and he is sort of like my favorite I trust him you know so it's awesome to like labor over a mix or labor over a track and just be like don't spend a bunch of time myself listening to it. Just send it to Harold. He'll be like, you know, hey, this needs a little work. This is great. Like when I did Tin Tin Obulation, which is an album that I felt great about, but I know it's really out there. <laughs> but I wanted to do it. You know, I was like, I'm, I am I, need to get some avant-garde out of, 
out of here. You know, I'm uh-huh. <laughs> I had just been programming the Moog One for like two weeks, you know, and just been deep into it. I'm like, most of that album is Moog One. There's some Moog Fifteen on there, but and a little bit of Moog Voyager, but the majority of that album is is the Moog One going into, like I said earlier, ARP 2500 territory. And when I sent that one in, Harold's like, wow, this hardly needs anything. You know, you left me enough room to work with, uh-huh. but, you know, there's really, you really got, and I also bought new monitors. I bought a set of Focal monitors, and, and that has really helped my mixing process a lot, changing monitors. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so important. And it's so important in the whole process is, I think, having trusted collaborators, whether it's with mixing, songwriting, or just a friend's ear that you trust. I have a few friends mm-hmm. that I know... I have, a, I have a strong little, like, four-pronged, you know, network of, I send it to this person when I want brutal truth. And, and then this person... Whatever they say, I subtract 20% of what they say. And then I know, like, I, I have it calibrated. David Lutz, if you're listening, that's my friend David Lutz. We work together a lot on stuff. And whatever he says, I, I subtract at least 20%. But, but it's, when I do that, it's right on. And, you know, I, I have, but, it's, it, but you need those honest relationships because some people will just be like, oh, that's great. But that's not helpful. No. You know, like you want to show, you want, you want people to like it, but you have to have those relationships with people that are going to say, yeah, no, you need to work on this and this needs some work or, you know, try this. And yeah, it's just really useful. So I'm glad that you found that. It's very nice. Yeah, we've, we've developed a great rapport. And, you know, what it led up to, we did a lot of sessions prior to my records and just, you know, we were both paid to do certain projects and make it represent well and transfer well. And, and that sort of thing really kind of kicked it off in a very professional way. So it wasn't just a personal thing. It was very professional. And, and we had done a lot of live gigs together, festivals and things like that, where we were just, you know, just happened to be hired hands on those days and always worked well together and efficiently and quickly Harold's Harold's a fucking best. And he's just always you always get the same person. You know, that's not the that's not the yeah. case in the music Consistency world. Consistency is helpful. Mm-hmm. Definitely no, that is so true. <laughs> I've never met more flakes than any <laughs> Maybe that in the service industry. Um yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. there's a lot of crossover though. <laughs> um so this next record is gonna be the classical guitar record? No, that'll one, be ne- that'll no. probably be this winter. I'll get to that one. Okay, that's that's okay. that's got a long way to go. No, I'm I'm working on one right now, and I don't have a title for it yet. But I'm gonna. It's gonna be a combination of, just. It's gonna be a little bit different than what I've been doing, but then it's gonna have a side long thing that's just you know it's killer, you know I just I love I love that. I'm old school. I love that. I love that <laughs> feel of like, oh yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna throw this thing on. And I have, I have some other big nudes coming, but it's a little too, a little too early to talk about it. But I may be, uh, yeah, I may be doing a two LP soon. So. Oh, nice. Very and that cool. will be all new music when that happens. So. Okay. Well, I look forward to all of this. We're getting we're getting close to the end, but I want to one. I need to I need to pull up your words for your patch challenge if you want to do one. Yeah, um, 
And then two, I want to make sure that we can, uh, I can give you the final word. Is there anything that you want to shout from the, 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 the modular mountaintops, um, before we, we get off, uh, off air, as they say? Sure. Well, first and foremost, if you made it this far, thanks a lot. It's always really nice to, <laughs> to talk with people who've listened to this program and, and to hear about some of their personal experience and musical experience. Um, I want people to always feel welcome to reach out to me on social media. And um, thanks to everybody who's been supporting my music over the last couple of years. It really means a lot to me. It's the only reason that these albums even come out. You know, I just, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even fuck with it at, at, at this point. Is But people have been very supportive of my music and I'm so grateful. Um, super happy and grateful to Moog Music. They're an amazing group of people. They're, the whole crew of people that are part of that is it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Um. And yeah, you know, I just, everybody keep the faith. Keep, uh, this is, like I said, we're all children of a new age right now. We're all on the same playing field and the best that we can do is the most that we can give to each other and just try to be patient and, and see this thing through. And I feel that we can create new horizons with this. Well, as always, you make me feel better about negative situations and that was another reason i wanted to talk to you not only because uh it's been a while but also just in kind of a few months into this i i definitely wanted to hear your perspective on it um so yes thank you for sharing all of this with us and i you know what else i really love about having like you know friends on and like multiple appearances is we we don't have to do the get to know you so this is so much fun for me to have like just a candid conversation so um Thank you so much. I've had such a good time today. Thank you, Tim. Likewise. Thanks again for having me back on. I love your show. I Absolutely. listen to it all the time. And um, it's, it's a real special thing. I hope you continue to uh, invest in it. We appreciate all the time and energy that you put into this program. I know that it's probably a real pain in the ass sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it is. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for uh, bringing, you know, you're bringing... <laughs> so much of the synthesizer and electronic music community together with this thing. So thank you. Mwah. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been so much fun. You're and the I've best. got some words for you. <laughs> okay. What you got? Um, Hit me. I've, I, I, well, so this is the first one, but we can keep going, but I thought this sounded kind of cool. Quieter resolve. Ooh, we can like maybe that. do quiet resolve or quieter resolve. Do you like that? Uh huh. Yeah. I think that works. Um, well, very cool. Um, I think I will stop recording now. All right. Just Thanks, everybody. Nice end point here.
That's our show. Thank you, Lisa, for coming on again. Please visit lisabelladonna.bandcamp.com to uh, explore her vast and amazing catalog. And uh, thank you to our sponsors, Needham Woodworks, Patchworks, After Later Audio, and Recovery Effects. And keep an eye out. That new Waveform magazine is on its way. Hell yeah. What's up, Ellison? If you're listening, hello. I love you, buddy. I miss you. Let's go skating soon. All right, let's get into the political talk. All right, take 20 on my uh, post-show political (laughs) roundup. (laughs) This is really, really hard. And um, I've been trying to say things that have been on my mind for the last hour into this microphone to share with you. And uh, it's, it's not ready. I need to synthesize this stuff more because I need to do this responsibly and I need to do it effectively and I need to make sure that I'm not crossing any lines. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm still learning my place in all this. Uh, I am confident enough in my place in all this to at least share some book recommendations with you. Um, so the first book I'd like to recommend is called Policing the Planet. Why the Policing Crisis Led to Black Lives Matter. And it's, uh, it's full of a bunch of different essays by different authors. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a really, really great uh, kind of crash course on, on what's been going on for the last five, five years. I mean, this stuff's been going on for so much longer than that. But um, yeah, it's, it's a great resource. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's one about like this, this, the, the Baltimore Uprising. Um, after Freddie Gray was murdered by the police. Um, and if none of this sounds familiar, that doesn't surprise me because you don't hear about this stuff on the news, but take some time to try to, try to listen to, uh, you know, to these people's stories from these communities. And uh, yeah, I, that's all I'll say about it. So yeah, Policing the Planet um, is, is a great book. Another one is called carceral capitalism. I think I read a quote from that on last week's show, a little bit more dense, a little bit more academic, but it definitely, uh, is a great resource if you want to kind of wrap your head around, um, how neoliberalism and the, uh, prison industrial complex and broken windows policing is all kind of this giant, uh, this giant, infrastructure specifically designed to, um, oppress and make a profit off of the oppression of, you know, people of color. And, um, it's, it's, uh, it's been going on for a long time and it's been going on right in front of us and we haven't done anything about it and we're starting to do something about it now. And hopefully this is, this is the time hopefully things change this time. Um, anyways, I'm starting to do the thing that I just said I wouldn't do. (laughs) So the next book I want to recommend is the end of policing. Um, that is actually a free, you can get it for free. Uh, if you get the, the ebook, um, and don't be scared off by the title. Yes, it's it's kind of, you know, it's about the defunding of the police, but it's really, really unfortunate that that's, that's the verbiage that has been used because it's not saying, like, tomorrow all police will completely disappear. Um, but, yeah, check out this book. Very compelling arguments. Um, very clearly illustrates the need for us to tear down our system of policing in this in this country and, and try to build something that, that actually serves the, 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 the public and communities. Um, 
yeah, like the the millet. I, I've been doing as you know as a part of this this reading that I've been doing, and and you know what kind of mentions this in this book. Um, but other, I've found some other papers and on this and whatnot. But like the militarization of police has not increased uh, safety for the police officers themselves or decreased crime. All it has done is negatively affect the public image of policing. So you're going to hear a lot of these arguments from people who, who aren't educated on this stuff and they're all canned. You'll notice, just watch, you'll hear the exact same thing come out of different people's mouths who don't know each other because they're not actually doing any of the, the work to learn about any of this stuff. And that's, that's one of the reasons I want to do this at the end of the show. I want to get, I want to keep people motivated because there's going to be a lot of conversations happening, whether you like it or not, this stuff's not going away and it's going to pop up at family, you know, events, parties, and you're going to see it everywhere online. Um, and not engaging and just ignoring it is, uh, is one of the worst things you can do. I think (laughs) it's what we've been doing and, uh, nothing's changed. So I think, you know, Prepare yourself. Get to know the facts. Um, you know, if someone says that they don't believe there's a systemic race problem, racism problem in this country, then ask them um, how is it that six percent, you know, black black men only make up six percent of the population of this country, yet they make up f- over forty percent of the population in, of prisons. How does that work? <laughs> um, you know, yeah. So get so get armed with information is what I'm saying, and and and, and uh, wake yourself up a little bit. And again, this isn't like an attack. Like I'm sure some of you listening are probably further along this journey than I am. And I, and I I want to make it clear that I'm not like I am not an expert. I am just I am new. I I'm I am just, I'm a, I'm an infant when it comes to this kind of research. Um, but I imagine a lot of you out there are as well. So this is kind of more. I mean, that's all I can really do. This is, this is, I, I can, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting again to do the thing that I said I wouldn't do. That's just part of my personality. Thanks for your patience through all this. Uh, the next book I want to recommend is, um, one of the most, um, um, profoundly eye-opening books I've ever read in my entire life. Uh, I listened to the audiobook and then I went, uh, and then I bought a copy of it. So I'm on my second, second tour through it. And I, you know, I started it four days ago, but you know, it's only 140 pages long. So you can listen to it in a couple hours. Um, and, and it's called the fire next time by James Baldwin. Maybe one of the best writers, one of the best American writers. Um, I, yeah, he's, he's in that, he's in that realm and it's an older book. It's, you know, it's, I think it's from, you know, mid early sixties. So the fact that the 62, um, so that's one thing that's been kind of blowing my mind is these, these books from the sixties, like the one I just mentioned, I'm also reading one called the uh, rules for radicals by Saul D. Alinsky. Um, they, they shouldn't be as relevant as they are now, but they're, it's almost like it's, if, if you just changed the names and dates of some things in it you would think you were reading about what's going on now. And that's troubling. And uh, there are two, two documentaries I want to um, 
to suggest. And while we're on the topic of James Baldwin, there's uh, a James Baldwin documentary called I Am Not Your Negro, which is, um, it might be actually, if you watch that and then read The Fire next time, it might be a really good primer for, for these ideas. Um, and then the other documentary is uh, called The 13th. It's on Netflix, and I'm sure you've heard of it. Many of you have probably already watched it. Um, but it's, a, it's a, also a crash course. It's a great crash course in, um, you know, how we got to this milit- militarized police uh, prison industrial complex, broken windows policing, um, massively oppressive and predatory um, policing strategy here in the U.S. Okay, let's talk about the CHAZ, the CHOP, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, um, formerly known as the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, now known as the Capitol Hill Occupied Protest. Um, let me maybe start there. Let me start there. People are asking, well, hold on. I'll get into this. I just need to set the stage because it's been a weird week. Um, <laughs> as If you've heard of this Chaz or Chop, I'm sure you've seen um, some pretty outlandish claims, some, pretty, some uh, reports of some really wild, crazy, you know, anarchist, like post-apocalyptic shit happening up there. Let me just say... Um, that's, none of that shit's true to start with. Um, <laughs> I've had some people from my small town in eastern Washington where I grew up uh, reach out to me and you know, to, to literally check on me. Um, and and it just, it's funny because it's funny it shows how little they know about just the, the physical geography of Seattle. But um, yeah, to just to, to see if I'm okay, uh, which... <laughs> It's really funny. And people from New York, Hannah has um, family in New York, and some of which she hasn't talked to in a while. And they've all reached out with, you know, a couple of them. I think three of her different aunts all reached out within a span of 24 hours, all worried and sending posts, you know, sharing these articles that they've been reading about it. And, are you, oh my God, are you okay? And it's like, that is hilarious to us because to start with, we've been there twice. Um, well, I've been, I've been there twice. Hannah's been there well, Hannah's been there more than me because she's she's been up there as a civilian protester with me, but she also works for the Seattle Department of Transportation, and she's been up there actually working on site um, with the you know the various things that the the DOT has been doing up in the Chaz or Chop. But first, let me paint the picture of what it actually is for you, and, I, and I'm going to just start with just physical space um because this idea that this whole city has been shut down because of this is 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 really really funny to me because um it is let's see it's it's not even four full blocks but you know four you know it's basically a four block think of a street fair think of like your hometown's street fair that's it that's how big it is um and it has very much a street street fair vibe, and it and it's right up against what's called Cal Anderson Cal, Cal Anderson Park, which is a huge uh, park in in Seattle. It's on, in the Capitol Hill neighborhood. So let me tell you a little bit about that. I know I think um, crazy old Alex Jones is saying that downtown Seattle is completely overrun by anarchists. Um, Capitol Hill is east of downtown, on the other side of the interstate, up on the hill. Um, it's it's you don't have to pass through Capitol Hill to get to any other neighborhood, really. Um, so it's it's not really any sort of disruption outside of the four blocks that it actually exists on. So 
that, yeah. So it's not all of Seattle. <laughs> um, what else can I tell you about chop? Um, this idea that all these, these, uh, that the community has been just, you know, that, that these people have come in and taken over other pe- some someone else's community and it's really bad for the community members is also, um, is not accurate at all because the people who are there, who start, who kind of are, are the stewards of chop are the people who live in that area. Capital, what you have to know about Capitol Hill is it's, it is the artsy LGBTQ cool. It's the hip neighborhood. It is the hip young neighborhood, but it's also been extraordinarily gentrified over the last few years as a result of all the, the, as we call them here, tech bros that have come in Amazon and Facebook and, and, you know, all these different, uh, yeah, tech bros. Sorry if you're a tech bro. In fact, I know a lot of you guys out there are tech bros. My best friend in the whole world is technically a tech bro. And if I had the skills, I would be because I'd have more money than I do. So um, that's not an attack on you. I'm sorry. I'm kind of backpedaling now. I hope you're laughing at this. Um, But yeah, it's been, it's been massively gentrified and it's right. It butts up right against what's called the central district, um, which is, you know, been historically the black, the black neighborhood of Seattle, not the black neighborhood, but it, you know, it is the black community is definitely um, has strong ties to the central district. And, that is also experiencing massive gentrification. You know, the people who couldn't afford to live in Capitol Hill anymore moved to Central District, and then it just kind of the dominoes start falling. So that's been a lot of um, that's been a lot of what like the tension behind what's going on up there. Because you know, Seattle has had a lot of protests. In fact, last Sunday, sixty thousand people. I was out there, and, and we were marching through the pouring down rain. Sixty thousand people, like two weeks into protesting. That's amazing to me. But anyways, this is, it's, it, it, it is, it has, it's sparked because of all of this, um, that has happened, but it is very community oriented. Um, and speaking of community, uh, there are multiple churches out there, uh, giving refreshments, medical supplies, hand sanitizer. Um, there are medics, there are medics that are, that are, um, you know, basically donating their time and services just to make sure everything's all right up there. There's so much food and water, so much food and water, and it's all free. Um, There's a beautiful mural being painted. There's a lot of really great street art. Um, And what's really crazy is, and this is what you won't hear from the news, is other than the police department, these these protesters that are, are, are basically running this occupied protest are successfully negotiating with the fire department, the Seattle Department of Transportation, and the mayor herself. In fact, they've got a couple of their demands already met. So let's talk about that. What is the the point and how did it happen? What's really remarkable about how this happened, I watched it happen on a live stream. I've probably watched, you know, 20 hours of live streams from that, from before it was the chop. Um, you know, and, and I watched it happen on a live stream. And, and so basically what was going on is there were protests all over the city. Um, the East Precinct is up there in Capitol Hill and is now the heart of CHOP. Um, protesters were marching down um, Pine Street, heading east on Pine Street, and the police set up a barricade, said you can't go through. And so what happened then what, what that created was, I think, four or five days straight of protesters holding that line 
and looking across that barricade at police officers and National Guard. And there were many instances where tear gas and rubber bullets were used on the crowd for no reason. There was one, one protester threw a vigil candle across the line. Um, and the SPD said it was uh, an improvised explosive. And they even posted a picture on their Twitter of this improvised explosive, but they didn't take the sticker off of the, the one piece of the candle that still remained that said candle. It literally said candle. It was a votive candle from a vigil that somebody threw. And, and should they have thrown it? Probably not. But what happened after that was um, a massive uh, barrage of tear gas and, and rubber bullets. And um, that actually came about 10 hours after the mayor um, put a temporary ban on the use of tear gas. So the day she put the, the temporary ban of the use of tear gas, uh, they tear gassed the crowd. And then they tried to say, well, it wasn't tear gas. It was technically pepper spray. But there were still canisters of gas that they were shooting at people. So... Um, and so I was, Hannah and I were up there one of those nights. We didn't get tear gassed or anything. It was, it was actually the day after one of the big, the, the first big skirmishes. Not, I mean, not really skirmishes. It was completely one-sided from the cops. But it was um, after, after some, uh, the cops definitely used massive excessive force on the crowd. But it was very surreal. And, it fe- and, I, and I, I, you know, I felt uneasy. And it was the first time in my life that I was standing on a barricade, looking across the barricade at the people that I was protesting against. And they were the people that are supposed to protect me. It was very strange looking across at police officers and the National Guard. Anyways, I've kind of gotten off topic. So how did this happen? So, so again, protesters marching down 11th, or not on the 11th, the protesters are marching down Pine, and when they get to 11th, they get to a barricade, Pine and 11th, and that's when they meet this. Now, they didn't break. I think it was five days, and the police using tear gas and everything, no one, no one left, and um, basically what happened was, I think, the, the, so the, 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 the police started putting up fencing and boarding up the windows of the East Precinct, and which you know, gave, gave sign that they were going to leave. And I think that, I don't know this, but I think, because no one actually has said, neither the mayor nor the police chief has said it was their call to leave. So that's still kind of fishy as to why and and who made that call. But what I think is they were going to move the barricade because they were like, hey, we're at a stalemate. Let's just let them walk through because that's why they're there in the first place. That's why this line is here in the first place. They were just trying to march. So they thought that the protesters would just march on through and that would be the end of it. I think... That's what they thought. <laughs> but what's amazing is what happened is when they opened that barricade and they left, the protesters went up to the intersection where that precinct is and just basically said, we're not leaving. We're, we're occupying this zone. And that's where the, the, um, the, uh, the name Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone came from. It was very quickly. I don't think none of this was planned. I don't think anybody had. I mean, as of yet, I don't know. Um, but it was just kind of an improvised takeover, which has been, I mean, I don't know how many days it is now. By the time you're listening to this, it'll, I think it'll be two weeks. Um, and no one's damaged any of the property up there. A lot of the community members are part of it. Of course, there are some businesses that are getting the raw end of the deal. However, um, the people from CHOP, 
the occupied protest negotiated with Seattle Department of Transportation to get a little one way. They put up some barricades so they could actually allow some traffic through. So there, it's not a complete anarchist like fuck you to the man. It's it's fuck the police. <laughs> And these are the demands we have about the police because Seattle's a very community-driven city. Our neighborhoods have strong senses of community, and that's what's happening up there. This is a community fighting for, um, you know, fighting against these oppressive powers that are stripping the community away from them. These people are up there for generations. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on up there. There's been no, there's been no armed, uh, you know, guards extorting businesses for protection money. Um, it's, it's absolutely insane. And they, they, uh, yeah, the, the police were spreading a bunch of, of rumors and there was a bunch of Twitter rumors that have all been completely debunked and the police even backed down on a lot of this stuff. But for some reason it seems like right wing news sources and, uh, you know, just right-wing people in general are trying to continue to to sow this disinformation about it. Um, there have been Proud Boys that have showed up, and how do I know they're Proud Boys? Because they're wearing shirts that say Proud Boy, and and they they are um, you know packing packing guns, um, and they're they're going up there basically to try to incite violence, and they're also going up there to try to confuse the message. A couple of them have you know have Black Lives Matter signs, and they'll go up there and um, yeah, they're just they're just trying. What they're trying to do is make it look like it's uh, an unorganized, um, you know, fever dream of far leftist utopia people or something. And and it it's not perfect though. You know, it's it's it will be remain to be it remains to be seen what will happen. But there has already been results from it. Um, big results. So if you want to keep up to date on this, that's kind of my take, but I'm, I'm not an expert on it. I've only been up there twice. I've been keeping up with it from, um, Omari Salisbury. He's uh, a journalist for Converge Media here in, in Seattle. And I've been, that's whose live streams I've been watching. I watch his morning show recap and he's kind of blown up as like the, uh, the eyes on the ground. Cause he's there every day. Um, so go watch, you can watch all the old videos. You can watch it all in order. If you've got, you know, 15 hours, you could watch it all go down the way that it went down. It's pretty interesting. Um, and you can keep up with it through him. So yeah, that's the story of chop. Um, and, and I have a, an Instagram video on my Instagram TV. You can go, I have like a 40 minute video of, it was the, it was like the second night it was, it was actually, I heard about these, these, uh, armed, armed, uh, protesters extorting businesses and I knew it was bullshit and I had to see it for myself. So I went up there and I was like, oh, this is a, just kind of like a really nice festival vibe. There was a guy burning sage up there when I got there. Um, they had a, they had garbage and compostables and recycling all separated. There was like an area for that. It's, it's crazy. So, um, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> Please read. Uh, the fire next time and watch the documentary uh, 13th. If you take anything from me for this week, that's your homework. And again, I'm open to suggestions and um, I hope this was at all informative or useful in any sort of way. Um, I don't think I'm going to, I'm not going to do this every week. I'm not going to force myself to do this. I'm just going to try to share stuff with you when I find it. And I feel like it's pertinent and I, and I hope you do the same with me. I have a page, a channel set up on the discord specifically for this kind of stuff. So go check it out there. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening. 
I love y'all. Peace and love. Fuck the police. (laughs) We'll see you next week.